mindset of champions, you can win against all odds. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Mindset of Champions podcast. Today, I have a special guest, a professional, or I should say former professional rugby player, and right now, one-to-one coach for professional athletes who are about to end their sports career and transition into life after sports. Sam Smith, Sam, thank you for being here. Welcome to my show. No, thank you very much for having me. I've, I've been looking forward to it since you kind of got in touch a couple of weeks ago. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm glad we finally made it. Uh, so Sam, can you Tell us about your sports career a bit more so people get to know you and they will will learn about what you've been doing and what your successes are. Yeah, so I um I started playing rugby when I was 13. Um I was quite late to this quite late to the sport, but it was probably because I was being a bit of a rebellious kid. My dad played rugby for uh, wasps and for England and I did what most kids do and thought, well, if my dad likes it, it must be rubbish. So I kind of tried every other sport under the sun and realized that actually I was rubbish at all of them. So eventually I gave rugby a go and yeah, it went well. I got, um, well, I, when I finished school, I got signed for Harlequins um, and had a spent, I think I spent about seven years there. And I was lucky enough to kind of be there in a really good era where we won um won the LV Cup, the Amelin Challenge Cup and the Premiership. So, yeah, to be a part of a really sort of successful team was was such a brilliant experience. And then in 2014, I moved to Worcester Warriors um, and played a year there. And then I got injured in the pre-season. And then I spent a year rehabbing. And then I had to retire at the age of 26, which was obviously really rubbish. And yeah, well, not, it's, it's quite early, yeah. yes. Yeah, it wasn't part of my sort of my big life plan. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, so it was uh, definitely something that came suddenly, something that you didn't expect. Uh, well, and it's it's difficult. Well, I I've spoken to many athletes and just transitioning uh, well from sports to to the life after when they know they're going to finish career, it's difficult itself. Uh, but being injured and having well chance to play for a good few years and suddenly everything stops that must have been really painful uh, well how did you deal with it how did you transition from being pro athlete into well life after sports let's let's call this yeah i i think yeah you used the correct word of painful i think that could quite easily summarize that whole experience i i guess i was quite or technically on paper i was quite well prepared for it i had done a politics and economics degree whilst playing um and then the year the year that i was rehabbing i spent most of it working on opening up a coffee shop so my kind of career i retired in june 2016 but in April of that same year I'd signed a lease on a coffee shop and I then opened that in October so I think on paper from the outside it looked like I was fine but I was far from fine I really was struggling 
with a loss of identity. I think when people ask me what what was my biggest concern or fear or pain point was yeah, it was that kind of loss of identity. I'd I'd been sound the rugby player pretty much since I'd picked up a rugby ball and it without realizing it, my whole identity and self-worth was really wrapped up in being a rugby player and I felt like that was the only real value I could bring to the world. So when that was kind of taken away from me, I I really felt pretty worthless and I didn't know who I was as a person because I've kind of become this person to be a rugby player and be successful in professional sport. So yeah, the, the transition was really tough. Um, whilst maybe on paper it looked good because I was becoming an entrepreneur and starting this business and stuff. But yeah, I think behind closed doors, there was, it was some quite dark times. Well, I can, I can imagine that because uh, it's uh, quite common among my clients uh, here that, uh, well, everything, technically everything looks good. It's perfect. Mm. Whatever changes are, people ter- tell them, well, you are lucky because you have this, you have that. Yeah. But what happens in here and what happens in here, mm. it's something that people don't see. Yeah. How did you deal with that then? No, I think you're you're so right. And my experience of it, showing emotion as a professional athlete was was viewed as a weakness. So I think I'd spent the last 15 years practicing not to show my emotions and not to listen to them. And it was all about being tough and brave and alpha male which is really not me. So... Yeah, that was in, in answer to your question. And I didn't cope really. I think would be the the safe way of answering it. I what happened is I I used the coffee shop and starting that business as a it was a really good way to distract myself from how I was feeling, and I threw myself one hundred and ten percent into doing that, which kept me distracted for a couple of years. But then it got to the point eventually where I realized. I think it was after we opened our second shop. I realized that the growth of the business that I'd been chasing wasn't giving me fulfillment and it wasn't giving me what I had hoped it would give me. And when I came to that realization that this big goal I'd been chasing of opening a second site, it just left me feeling more empty than than I had before I was chasing it. I guess my kind of world came crashing down and it forced me to really well, it forced me to go. I ended up working with my own coach and working with him really did sort of save me and it changed my life. And Fantastic. That was probably about four years ago now. That's great. And I need to admit, anyway, well, you have, well, you had great distraction because uh, for many people, well, the most popular distractions are alcohol and drugs. Mm. That's what people usually use when they don't cope. Yeah. They just the most popular that I come across is alcohol, then drugs, and then the third one is sex. Yeah. That's what well, people I... get into to get distracted. Uh well, you went into business. Yeah. Well, I think if I'm completely honest, I went into business, alcohol, and drugs. So <laughs> I had the yeah, the holy trio of distractions, but the three of them combined led to burnout and yeah, just hit, I guess, hitting rock bottom. And, and that was, yeah, when I was lucky enough, I think I really believe the universe meant for me to meet Hugh, who was my coach, because he was a regular customer at my coffee shop. 
and I'd got to know him over the, that two years and he had obviously probably from the outside seen my decline and it was, all it took was one day for him to ask me how I was and when I just kind of brushed it off with a really sort of standoffish answer he he said no really how are you and that was the turning point for me mm. someone showing me that kind of level of care fantastic well I'm I'm glad you uh well you did say when he asked you a second time uh, about how are you and well he let you know that he really meant mm. how are you yeah. it wasn't just a uh, well nice greeting mm. uh, and talking helped yes yes yeah definitely well, listen everyone it is really working we have a uh, living proof in here that talking helps also for guys because i know For women, it's different. They talk more. But us guys, we don't like to talk about problems that we will come across. We don't like to talk about our world falling apart. We just want to keep the great, perfect picture outside. And we find it very difficult to trust. You trusted and your life has changed. Yeah. Fantastic, Sam. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that, uh, well, talking to someone about what you're going through was, we can say, the tipping point. Definitely, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Tell me, what, what happened then? How, how it started when you started to work with, uh, with coach, when you started to work one-to-one with someone? It really, it was... The, the momentum of my life changed very quickly and it didn't take long. I, I he's, He has a saying, which I absolutely love, is that just because you have a really complicated lock doesn't mean you need a complicated key. And that's always stuck with me. And I plagiarize it all the time with my own clients. Um, but yeah, it, the to come out from that bottom, it... it It was talking, it was refocusing, it was starting some really small like practices on a daily basis, some self-reflections. And I think that's what I love about coaching is that it doesn't take a lot to just shift someone's course in life with degree and then sort of see where that goes. Yeah. And suddenly you look back six months later and you're in a completely different place, but it only took a little sort of little step at the beginning. And yeah, that's what gets me excited. It's we, I think we as humans, and it's been my experience of, oh, I feel horrendous, or this is so bad, this thing has happened, that we just instantly think that we need a similarly miraculously good thing to to kind of counteract that. But I, I really don't believe that that's the case. No, it can be a simple act. One little thing mm. and see how it unfolds. Yeah, 100%. Fantastic. Well, so... If you were uh, about to talk to someone who's overwhelmed, who's stressed, who cannot cope because of, uh, well, whatever reason, because they are different reasons, what would you recommend to this person? I think someone who's in that kind of overwhelmed state, I often liken it to kind of 
you tread it feel like you might feel like you're treading water at sea and you're just getting hit by wave after wave after wave and you kind of come up for air and then there's another one coming and that that when you're in that state there's feels like there's no time to, to any space there's no time there's no chance to kind of breathe i think again like that that kind of being in that kind of place doesn't require anything big it just requires finding some quiet moments at different times in the day or speaking to someone to kind of share the burden it's really little things and it's not like you need to go and do six yoga sessions a week and that's going to fix everything or you need to start meditating for half an hour a day it might be that you just start your day with two minutes of quiet and sort of start with there and see where that like you said see what that how that unfolds and what that leads to and just these tiny little acts to just cultivate some space and some calm in amongst the noise and sort of seeing what you notice and what kind of comes from that fantastic fantastic thank you very much that's that's important and i hope well everyone who listens is going to remember that uh, because that's the start and it's important to remember that everything starts small and mm. grows yeah that's that's just the way it is but uh, well you've moved on you and your sports career you had the coffee shop what actually are you doing right now um it's a good question i ask myself that a lot of the time <laughs> So I've still got the coffee shops and the coffee roasters. Um, and then, yeah, I've now started working one-on-one -on -one with sort of four people who have played sport, whether they're kind of thinking about retiring in the next 12 months or whether they've been out of the game for 10 years and they're kind of struggling to find their purpose or they have no like balance in their life. So there's a real range of people on that spectrum as they're kind of coming out of professional sport and it kind of stemmed well my personal journey I've I've kind of stumbled across coaching as a as the, I guess the vehicle of how I want to make a difference in the world it wasn't planned it kind of just happened but I like when life gives you stuff like that Definitely. and yeah and, and it kind of stemmed from I went to a 10-year reunion with my Harlequins teammates in the summer um, from when we won the premiership. And it was the first time I'd seen some of those guys literally in 10 years. And it was such a nice opportunity to catch up. But we obviously had 10 years to catch up on them. But a lot of the conversations were like, Thing, things are good, but like, I really like my life, but. And for me, there were too many buts. And then I was like, I'd, I have been there and I've experienced that, but I, th I feel like I've come through it. And so I just like, I just need to help people like me who are struggling in this kind of life after sport because there's so much going on. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard one to navigate on your, on your own. But when you've been in, a, in that athletic environment, sometimes you can feel like you can't talk or you have to do it all your own. You know, we have to work it out. So yes. yeah, I'm hoping to try and kind of change that conversation a bit. Good. So, well, technically we can say that for everyone who plays sports, working with coach is something normal, is usual. And every single athlete knows that without the coach, they're not going to succeed. 
Yeah. And the better they want to be, the better coach they need. And then they building team and they need to put in 100%, 110% to, to really get to the top. So basically working with coach after you finish your sports career wasn't anything new. And being a coach now is technically nothing new because you know how this relation works, mm. especially in a sports environment. That's very good connection of everything together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, and I think it's exactly that. Like if you were a football player or a rugby player, a swimmer, there's no top level athlete in any genre of sport who doesn't have a coach who's there yeah. every step, every, there every step of the way. But I think there's this stigma around mental health, whereby potentially asking for help after sport is viewed as a weakness or mm. as if there's something wrong with you. But my, I always say it that I think asking for help is the bravest thing any of us can ever do because yes. it's admitting, it's admitting that we can't do it on our own, but that doesn't make you weird or odd or strange. That makes you human. And I think that's what we're all on this earth to do is to help each other because definitely why should we suffer alone? Yes, well, we, we are social creatures and we need other people around us to, to thrive, uh, I would yeah. say. 100%, so, yeah. Tell me then, if uh, because I spoke to athletes, uh, I believe athletes might be listening to the podcast as well. If uh, they or someone else, as a matter of fact, wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way uh, to, to contact you then? I should probably have a rehearsed answer for this. Um, you can find me. I, don't, I haven't quite got around to building a website yet. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I think that's Sam Smith 11. Or my email address is um, sam at thisisthechangingroom.com. Fantastic. So in this case, what I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to add the links, uh, the link to your LinkedIn profile and your email cool. address. Thank you. Uh, in description of this video and at any point uh, whenever you're ready with your website and uh, at this very moment I need to admit I don't have my website <laughs> it's being changed for last nearly three years wow. that's that's how long and uh, <laughs> well I just kind of work without this so I never got to finish it uh, yeah that yeah, I'm kind of on, from the same point of view. I've built a business where I've had it all slick and a website. And actually, I'm I'm doing this because I want to help people. So I'd much rather focus my time on helping people and coaching them than building exactly. all the infrastructure. So maybe one day I'll get around to it. But hopefully, I'll be busy enough that I don't need to ever get around to it. Well, I believe that the LinkedIn profile is a very good uh, point of reference because, yeah. well, it is for a professional in the end. Yeah, definitely. And it will be your email address as well. So they are definitely in the comments. And some before I let you go, I want to ask one more question. If you had a chance to give just one, just one advice to a young person who's about to start professional sports career, what would you say? I would say to that feeling you have as a young athlete 
stepping onto the pitch to play with your mates or play against an opposition if it's a kind of individual sport that feeling of just pure joy and wonder and excitement just bottle that up and hold on to that through your career and just keep when you're doing pre-season and you're getting beasted and you don't want to be there have that kind of little jar of that feeling sort of tucked away somewhere in the back of your head so you can always kind of refer back to that because as with anything in life it's hard to be a professional athlete there are sacrifices there are dark days there are amazing days but I think with anything we do in life if you can remember why you're doing it then it makes all the bad stuff worth it fantastic thank you very much that was very uplifting and very important thank you we do sometimes tend to forget about what we what we really want we the the end of of our actions sometimes is being forgotten because of all everyday's hustle yeah and it's good to remember that thank you very much for that sam thank you for sharing your story because uh, well it is inspiring story uh, thank you for opening up and uh, well telling us your very personal uh, well past I believe a lot of people went through it, but they didn't have a chance to open up and talk about this. Maybe now they will. Uh, Well, and once again, thank you for being on my show. I do appreciate it. And uh, well, I hope uh, I'm going to have to, well, I'm going to have a chance to meet you again and uh, share another story or some good pieces of advice with, uh, with my listeners. Thank you very much, Sam. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening and see you next week in the next episode.